Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen. We're going to talk about stubbornness today. And you know, this is one of those subjects that it can be real cut and dry. We could just go right down the, the line. But, you know, I want to tell you uh, one of the reasons that I want to teach on this subject matter is because this can't be a challenging concept to balance for Christians. You know, give me, let me give you this. A Christian, faithful child of God, is supposed to be somebody that's steadfast and unmovable. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abound the word of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're supposed to be able to, to anchor down and hold to the truth, not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and slight of men, Ephesians 4 and verse 14. So this subject matter could be one that maybe somebody wants to be a strong, faithful child of God, and they're looking at the fact that they need to earnestly, zealously contend for the faith, Jude verse 3, and they want to be set for the defense of the gospel like the Apostle Paul was in Philippians 1 and verse 17. And because of that, they are very able to take a hard stand and plant their feet and not move at all no matter what comes about. Well, this is dangerous. It's good on the one hand, but you know, with everything, there has to be a balance. It's dangerous. Think about the Jews who had certain customs like the washing of hands in pots, Mark chapter 7, for example. And because they were so traditionally minded, they would not move when it came to the hearing of the truth so much that when Jesus talked about them, Mark 7, 7 through 9, he says, How be it in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full way you reject the commandment of God. That means you may keep your own tradition. So you see, somebody can go from you know, being someone that wants to hold the truth and hold fast to it and be steadfast, but then take that mentality and walk away from the truth where we're to buy it and not sell it, Proverbs 23, 23, but hold on to other things that you shouldn't and become a stubborn person. You see, maybe if you think about it, how those lines could be blurred. When we look at the scriptures, wisdom teaches us to hear. In Proverbs chapter 8, 32 and 33, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. So to hearken, to be willing to listen, to hear instruction, not to refuse it. In the, in the same book, Proverbs chapter 15, verses 31 and 32, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. So if you're a person that's stubborn, you dig in, you don't want to change, people try to talk to you, people try to talk to you, you won't listen. Maybe it's a scriptural subject matter. Someone shows you the word of God and you're just stuck in your ways and you refuse to hear, you refuse instruction. What we just read in Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says you're despising your own soul. Well, why is that? Because there are consequences. A stubborn person who refuses to acknowledge and hear and obey the truth is going to face eternal consequences. 
And Hebrews chapter 12, verses 24 and 25 says to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. When you look back in the Old Testament, God wasn't kidding. When he gave warning and they didn't obey, he destroyed people. He destroyed cities. He made lands barren. Folks, you don't want to poke the biggest bear that has ever existed in our Almighty who is able to do all and anything that he wants to do. We don't want to poke that one. We don't want to try him. We don't want to test him. We look at his word. We've got to step back and we've got to say, I've got to receive it, believe it, and obey it. However, there are those people that they just have a certain way that they want to hold on to, even if it doesn't make sense. There's this joke uh, give you here for a moment where uh, it goes like this. I got a buddy, and we like to go hunting together, but he is a stubborn individual. Let me tell you how stubborn he is. He has a ritual that I've tried to talk him out of many times before we go out hunting, where he takes a bottle of Elmer's glue, and he squirts it in his hands, and he rubs it around like it's lotion. I've tried to talk him out of this so many times, but he's sticking to his guns. <laughs> Hope that made you chuckle a little bit. Uh, some people are going, there's a dad joke for you. Yeah, yeah, I can't help it. I'm a dad. I like to tell jokes. <laughs> but anyway, like, and speaking of hands, uh, Isaiah 65 and verse 2, though we're not talking about Elmer's glue here, but Isaiah 65 and verse 2 says, I've spread out my hands all the day under rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. So God says, I'm reaching out to them, but they've got a way and they're holding to it and they're not going to move. Wow. You know, stubborn people sometimes just lose all reason. Somebody I love and care about, haven't talked to in a while, hopefully someday she'll listen to one of these podcasts and reach out, uh, talk to me. Uh, but this young lady was in our lives and uh, in the lives of the congregation here and, and my family for a number of years, but she was stubborn. Even when it was very clear that the decision she was making was not a wise decision. She'd just dig in and didn't want to move off of it. Well, there's a problem that comes with the mentality of a stubborn individual, obviously more than one problem, but, but for the point that I'm making here, in Proverbs 20 and verse 24, it says, Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? You don't know better. God does. You don't. He does. When you humble yourself to that fact and you don't become just so dead set to just stand on what it is that you want, then you'd be willing to listen. But stubborn people, you know, when you think about this in Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, 
God's talking to his erring people. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree, that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. That's what ends up happening to a stubborn individual. They revolt, and they're to a point where they are gone. Think about what we just said, saw there in Jeremiah 5, 22 and 23. Here's God that's able to put a barrier. And when, when you look at the ocean, a sea, and you look out as far as you can see, and you, you can't see anything, and that there are depths of that sea that are still yet to be explored. And that's deep water. It's massive water. You know, if you've ever seen flooding to any degree, you know that water is powerful. And God says, this is what I'm going to do as the creator. I'm going to put a barrier of sand up and it ain't going to go over it. You don't want to listen to him? What's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong. Stubbornness. We're going to look back at the book of Judges. And we're going to do a little bit of a reading in Judges chapter 2, 8 through the end of the chapter. So that's Judges chapter 2. I'm going to begin at verse 8 and go through verse 23. So at this period of time, uh, well, the, well, as I read it, you'll get it. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance, and Tamnatheres, and the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. So here's our setting, okay? Moses and Joshua are dead. The land's uh, been set forth by Lot. Verse 11, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asheroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them in the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them in the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hands of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto the judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods, and bound themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And the Lord raised them up judges. The Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hands of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of his groanings by reason of them that had oppressed them and vexed them. Notice verse 19. It came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers, and following other gods to serve them. 
and to bow down unto them. They cease not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this people has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations with Joshua when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. What a sad reading, right? That God saves his people from bondage, keeps his promises, though they just rebelled, though they complained. And at this point in time, God sets up judges over them, they sin, and as you read through the book of, of Judges, you see spelled out, they get delivered into the hands of their enemies as punishment. And God hears them, raises up a judge that delivers them, and then it's just same thing over again, and then the same thing over again. Well, why, why does that happen? Stubbornness. When they changed, it was only to get out of trouble, and it was only temporary. When you read that, isn't it frustrating? that God's people would do that to our Creator. Now think back about Israel, because God talked about Israel to Moses. In Exodus 32 and verse 9, the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now I, I want to pause here, because I want to read several different uh, passages. But when we're looking at the word stiff-necked, and the verses that I'm reading here, the next uh, four or so verses I'm reading here, it's the same Hebrew word that appeared in Judges 2 and verse 19 and talking about stubbornness. So stiff-necked, stubbornness, same thing, okay? So I want to repeat this, Exodus 32, 9, The Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. You could equally say a stubborn people. In Exodus chapter 33, Verses 1 through 5. The Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, unto a lamb flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people." lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard those evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put him on his no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thine ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And Deuteronomy nine, verse six and verse thirteen. It says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord God giveth, giveth thee not this good land and possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. 9.16 Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. So, I'm reading that, and, and I remember here, we... Uh, we spent years going verse by verse through the Old Testament here in the congregation in El Paso. 
And I remember over and over again, our class discussion was, how could Israel keep doing this? Why aren't they changing? Why is one generation after another generation after another generation just almost over and over again doing the same thing? And, well, we see it. They're a stiff-necked people. And stiff-necked people pass that down. They teach that to their children. And then their children teach that to their children. And it goes on and on. They dig in their heels. They don't want to change. They're stuck in their way, even when their way is not good. And it's frustrating because how can we do this to our creator, our father who loves us with Israel? You know, Jesus hasn't come into the world yet. He hasn't died. He hasn't been buried and resurrected. So, uh, you know, we have greater promises than they did, but... They still had great promises. God promised them a land and peace if all they had to do was obey him because God's plan was to keep his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring Jesus into the world through their seed, okay? All they had to do was listen and obey. But stubborn people don't listen, so they can't obey. It's the wall of, I'm not going to hear what you have to say. Moses saw it when Moses was alive. In Deuteronomy 31, 27, he says to, to them, I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? I mean, think about that. Moses, this man that led them out of the land of Egypt, is telling them, you're a stiff-necked people. You're a stubborn people. And then he puts forth a question, how much more after I die? What are you going to be like down the road? Well, down the road, we saw that. Judges 2, 8 through 23. The next generation arose, did not know God. They were stubborn. They chose idolatry over their Creator. And then, folks, if you fast forward into history, way down the road, Isaiah's a prophet in the days of Hezekiah and other kings, Isaiah 48 and verses 1 through 6. Look at this. What's changed? Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth, nor in righteousness. For they call themselves of the holy city and stay themselves upon the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have declared the former things from the beginning and they went forth out of my mouth and I showed them. I did them suddenly and they came to pass because I knew that thou art an obstinate people and thy neck is as iron sinew and thy brow brass. I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee. Lest thou shouldest say, My idol hath done them, or my graven image, and my molten image hath commanded them. Thou hast heard, see all this, and will not declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They're stiff-necked. Fast forward. Jesus comes, buried, dead, risen, Ascends into heaven, gospels begin being preached, taught. People have the hope of eternal salvation. 
a problem arises. The Grecian widows aren't being served. The apostles said, look out men among you to wait on tables. One of those men is Stephen. Acts 6, Acts 7. And guess what? Problems arise. And Stephen begins to preach. And he preaches to these people the truth. These are, you know, thousands of years later from what we're looking at in Judges chapter 2. But what stays the same? Before they kill Stephen, Acts 7, 51 and 52, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost if your fathers do, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which show before the coming of the just one, of whom you've been now the betrayers and murderers. Look at that. Look at that. How sad. Let me ask you a question. If you're a stubborn person, what do you think your children are going to be? What about your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? If you're not open and receptive to learning, what are you going to be teaching them? Look at Israel as an example. And then, well, if you say, well, you know, it just takes the right teacher. No, read the Bible. Whether it was one of the prophets, John the Baptizer, Jesus Christ himself, or the apostles, or here, Stephen. Teacher doesn't change it. Well, take an act of God. Nope. Children of Israel saw wonders. They were still stiff-necked, still stubborn. I want you to think about when, when the children of Israel uh, are, in, are in captivity later. Ezekiel is a prophet, and God is sending him to speak to a people. Ezekiel 2, 1 through 5, uh, prior to their captivity. He said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel. To a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me. Even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet they shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. So God says... I'm going to send you to speak to these people that are stiff-hearted and rebellious. You keep reading into chapter seven, chapter 3 and verse 7 of Ezekiel. God tells Ezekiel, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impotent and hard-hearted. Wow. Go preach to them. But they're not going to change. They're stubborn. Stubborn. They're not going to make any kind of changes. They're not going to do the right things. How sad is that? When you read that, when you read that a prophet of God is sent among God's people and he's told they're not going to listen. Doesn't that hurt you? It hurts me for our Lord. 
for our Creator to know that He's putting forth effort, efforts to a people that aren't going to hear. Even with drastic measures, great efforts, it's so tough to reach stubborn people. You know, after Ezekiel's days, Nehemiah and the events occur therein because it's after Babylonian captivity. And Nehemiah gives us a little bit of insight of the backwards to the forward side. And in the days of Nehemiah, they were in the process of repentance, in the process of rebuilding Jerusalem, the walls around Jerusalem. Ezra and Nehemiah, at the same period of time, uh, Ezra focusing on the temple and the instituting of the law, Passover, all these things. Nehemiah about doing the work. In Nehemiah chapter 9, a little bit of a lengthier reading, verses 6 through 38. Uh, and, and just listen, this, this gives us a, a pretty good uh, narrative here. Uh, Nehemiah 9, beginning verse 6, says, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth, and all the things that they're in, the seas and all that's therein. Thou preser preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abraham, and brought us forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gave us him the name of Abraham, and foundest his heart faithful before thee, and madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Gergesites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. And didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardst their cry by the Red Sea, and showed his signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and all his servants, and all the people of the land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them, so thou didst get thee a name, as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps, as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou leddest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, and good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them the holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger." and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in and possess the land which thou hast sworn to give them. But they and our fathers dealt proudly, notice, and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments. Nehemiah is given this history, right? Verse 17, And refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf, and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt, and had wrought great provocations. Yet thou and thy manifold mercies 
forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water from their thirst. Yea, 40 years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations and didst drive them into corners so they possessed the land of Sihon and the land of Heshbon and the land of Og, king of Bashan. Their children also multipliedest thou as the stars of heaven and broughtest them into the land concerning which thou hast promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land. And thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, gavest them in their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of goods, wells, digged vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew thy prophets, which testified against them to turn to thee, and they wrought great provocations. Therefore thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies, who vexed them in the time of their trouble. When they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, thou gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies, and testifiedest against them, and that thou mightest bring them again into thy law. Yea, that yet they dealt proudly and hearkened not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgment, which if a man do, he shall live in them, and withdrew the shoulder, and hardened their neck, and would not hear. Do you hear that? I want you. I want to stop for a minute. We stop at verse twenty-nine. I'll pick up at Nehemiah nine thirty in a moment. I want you to imagine your your parents, and maybe we have to enter into a world of make believe because for some of us this analogy won't work. But let's enter this world of make believe. Let's say you've got great parents, an awesome father and an awesome mother. And you're in your teenage years, and something happens in the marriage. And we'll make this easy because men are the easier target here, unfortunately, but it does play into the emotion. Let's say your dad has gone out now and has committed fornication upon your mother and has spent nights with another woman and has just destroyed your mother. And she is the worst you've ever seen her. She can't eat and she can't breathe and the love of her life has walked away from her. How would you feel? Would you be angry with your father? Then, what if five days later, he comes, rings the doorbell because she's changed the locks, she's over with him, she's done with him. She answers the door and you hear him crying and begging 
And then she wraps her arms around him and says, come in, I love you. A week later, he's got himself another girlfriend. And it happens all over again. And she accepts him back. And you've gone to her and you've said, Mom, don't have him back again. Month later, it happens again. Full circle. And it just keeps happening. How are you feeling about your dad? How are you feeling about your mom? Are you telling her you're being too merciful? Or at this point, are you saying, I know a lot of people would say, you're being stupid. What if she looked at you when you said, don't be stupid? And she said, I made a covenant with your father. And I'm going to keep my covenant. I'm going to keep my side. And I'm going to receive him back. How would you feel about your father? That's the children of Israel. They're playing the harlot over and over and over again. And they're stiff-necked. They're rebellious. They're stubborn. They won't learn from correction. The locks being changed, the, lane, the land being taken away, having to sleep in the car, whatever it is, is not working. Nehemiah 9.30 Yet many years didst thou forbear them and testified against them by thy spirit and thy prophets. Yet would they not give ear. Therefore gavest them in the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, Thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keepest covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before thee. That hath come upon us, on our kings, and on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and all thy people, since the times of the kings of Assyria unto this day. Howbeit thou art just in all that thou hast brought upon us, for thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Nehemiah says, we want to come back to you, Father. We deserve all that we've suffered. God has put them in the hands of persecutors and bondage and slavery and captivity. Verse 34. Neither have our kings or princes or priests nor fathers kept thy law nor hearkened unto thy commandments and and thy testimonies whereof thou didst testify against them. For they have not served thee in their kingdom, in, their, in thy great goodness that thou gavest them. And a large and fat land which thou gavest before them, neither turned they from their wicked works. Behold, we are servants this day. And for the land that thou gavest unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof, the good thereof, behold, we are servants in it. And it yieldeth much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us because of our sins. Also they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. And because of all of this, we make a sure covenant and write it. And our princes and Levites and priests seal unto it. And then as you would keep reading on, they write a covenant with God, an agreement with God. They're seeking God's mercy. And we all need to be thankful that God was merciful to them because our Lord and Savior came out of the tribe of Judah, Hebrews 7 and verse 14. And all of the promises God made had to be fulfilled or God would be a liar. He wouldn't be faithful. I'm thankful that God 
was merciful and he kept his end of the covenant. But I'm angry at how stubborn the children of Israel were. How about you? How about you? You, you read those accounts and you think, how could they do that to God? Well, what about your own reflection? Are you open to God's instruction? Or are you a stubborn person? Is your heart right? You know, we kept reading the blending in of language about hardened hearts or stiff-hearted. You know why that is? Because knowledge and hope and recollection and obedience, those are all tied to the heart. And a 78 Psalm, Psalm 78, 1 through 8, says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and strengthen his wonderful works that he had done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known unto our children. Now, we've already been seeing a lot of this, right? That the generation to come might know them, them even, the children which should be born, who should arise and declare to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep the commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Notice why. Notice the connection to the heart. A generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Stubbornness is a matter of the heart. And when we try to look at knowledge and hope and obedience and all those things that will save us as it would have saved them, if the heart's not right, stubbornness wins. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, 13 and 14, I'm, I'm going to give you a contrast of two individuals. Second Chronicles 12, 13 and 14, So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jeru Jerusalem and reigned, for Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. And he did evil. Why did he do evil? Notice. Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now a contrast. The book of Ezra. Why is Ezra a faithful priest? A worker for God. Ezra 7 verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. If you're going to get walk away from stubbornness. Or if you don't have to walk away. If you're never going to allow it to have to be there. You're going to have to make your heart right. You have to be open. In Deuteronomy 10, 16, the children of Israel were told, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. How do you walk away from, from stubbornness? Open up your heart. Be receptive. Be willing to learn. We obey from the heart. Romans 6 and verse 17. You can't obey from the heart if your heart is stiff and hardened. That makes you a stubborn person. Furthermore, 
one of the great, wonderful things, aside from the fact that we're expected to be part of a sound congregation by our Lord, one of the great benefits of faithful brethren is to have a support system. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 3 and verse 13, Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Yes, we have the Word of God, but faithful brethren play a role. I have a question for you. Are you among faithful Christians? Do you assemble with faithful Christians? Not almost faithful Christians. Faithful Christians. That's part of God's plan to help you keep faithful. Or would you hear that? Would you say, yeah, well, I know the Bible teaches me to not have fellowship with error, but I found the best congregation that I can. That's stubbornness. See, receptive is, God says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, Ephesians 5.11. So I'm not going to have fellowship with these people. That is having an open and willing heart, a, a hearing ear. Stubbornness is, I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. Well, go down that road. Just remember what we read in Hebrews 12, 24, and 25 about refusing him that speaketh from heaven. Don't be a stubborn person. Be open to the truth. Not open to everything. Open to the truth. Rightly divide the difference between being steadfast and unmovable versus being stubborn and rebellious. When we look back in the Bible, Saul, King Saul, was rejected by God. He didn't follow God's instructions. In that context, God said in 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion as is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejected thee from being king. Stubbornness. Equivalent of iniquity and idolatry. You know, I've thought about that many times. Truth be told, a stubborn person, they, they do have a God, and it's themselves. Their own will supersedes God's and anyone else's. And folks, you see it, unfortunately, among unfaithful Christians. You see it in the world, in the workplace. See it in the schoolroom. See it on the playground. Stubbornness is a plague in this world where people just refuse to listen. Don't be that person. And the 32nd Psalm says in Psalm 32, 8, 9, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee and with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Listen, don't be a stubborn mule. Don't have to be led around by the mouth. Be open. Be receptive. Are you? 
How, how have you received this lesson? If you've been listening to the podcast, put some challenging podcast lessons out there. Have you been listening? With what kind of ear? With what kind of heart? Open or covered? That tells you whether you're stubborn or not. What have you done with the information you've received from the Word of God, from your own studies, from what you've been taught? Examine yourself. Make changes. If you find that, hey, you've been a little stubborn, you've not changed as you ought to, well, listen, I'm going to offer my help. I'd love to help you. Call me up, 915-525-5794. If you're in the El Paso, Texas area, if you're over here in West Texas or Eastern New Mexico, if you're in Juarez, Mexico, if you're in any, any of our area, I'll even go further than that. Maybe you're in Midland, Odessa area. That's about 300 miles from me. Maybe you're in Arizona. Maybe you're up a little bit further in, into New Mexico or Maybe even in, into Colorado. Reach out to me. We can talk. Maybe we can meet in person. I'd be willing to drive some distance to have a good, long, lengthy Bible study if it would be fruitful. Definitely be willing to talk to you over the phone. If you're maybe in a foreign country, send me an email. We can Skype. It's a free program. I use it all the time. People on different continents, Australia, Africa, South America. I talk to people in those countries or in those, on those continents and uh, using Skype. It works. It works pretty well. At least we can see each other's reactions that way. It's even a little better than the phone. I'd be willing to talk with you. We can study. But don't be rebellious. Don't be stubborn. The consequences are eternal. Thank you for listening. Hope this has been a helpful podcast and your studies of God's Word and your evaluation of yourself. If you need help, please get it. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.